Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about why I think property prices have bottomed out. Uh, It's certainly not a popular opinion uh, and there's lots of economists out there that are predicting that prices will fall from peak to trough by about 15, 20, even 25%. Um, there are some pretty dire predictions, but I would say most people or most economists and commentators are expecting a 15 to 20% drop from peak to trough. Uh, according to CoreLogic data, the property prices in the five largest capital cities have fallen 7.1% since May this year when the RBA started hiking interest rates. So really that was the peak. Uh, Sydney's has seen the largest falls. The prices are down around 10% in Sydney, about 6.7% in Melbourne. But it's not all bad news. House prices in both uh, all of Brisbane, Adelaide and Perth are still materially higher than what they were a year ago. So whilst there's a lot of negativity around property prices, uh, it's not really across the board. Really, Sydney and Melbourne have worn the uh, lion's share of the reductions. Uh, I wrote a blog earlier this year in March in response to a very well-respected fund manager, Christopher Joy, when he predicted that property prices would fall somewhere between 15 and 25% within two years of the RBA hiking by at least 1%. Well, they've certainly done that. I mean, they did 1% in just a a couple of months, Um, so we've had substantially more hikes than that. He hasn't revised his forecast as a result of higher interest rates and still believes it will be 15 plus percent. Uh, At the time of him uh, writing that prediction or sharing that prediction, uh, it was my view that prices would fall somewhere between 5 and 7 percent. And that's happened now, that's 7 percent nationally. Uh, And I don't think we'll see any more material falls. When I say material falls, maybe, you know, there's another percent or, or even two to go. Um, but we're pretty close to the bottom. And the reasons, I want to share the reasons for that opinion uh, in today's podcast. Okay, so let's have a a very short trip down memory lane. Uh, One of the reasons that prices have fallen quite a bit this year is that there's no longer a reason to overpay for property. So last year, I wrote a blog that suggested that if you're going to be successful in buying a property in 2021, you have to overpay. Putting that differently, if you weren't prepared to overpay in 2021, you probably weren't going to be successful buying a property, either at auction or or even a private sale. And that's because potential buyers outnumbered potential sellers. And so, you know, there was an oversupply of demand. And of course, as a result, prices rise. Now, buyer demand has fallen, you know, probably because of higher interest rates, uh, share market volatility, Ukraine talk of possible recessions. You know, there's been a lot of bad news uh, this year, but also supply has uh, fallen as well. In fact, the number of new listings is down about 18% off the five-year average. So there's fewer properties available for sale at the moment. As such, the market is pretty well balanced, uh, at least in investment-grade locations. Of course, there's always going to be markets that uh, perform differently and uh, really, the, the property market is uh, really made up of thousands of different kind of sub-markets, if you like. 
but I've been to a few auctions of investment grade property or investment grade locations uh, and they've all been uh, relatively hotly contested and uh, certainly uh, if those properties would have been on the market last year I'm sure they would have achieved better results or higher results um, but there's certainly a good quality property still attracts good quality demand uh, and you still got to pay fair market value for that asset today. Now, of course, there's going to be some geographical markets that are going to behave differently to investment grade markets. So, you know, it's quite possible that regional towns, regional centres, beachside locations, it's quite possible for those sectors of the market to continue to fall from here. So it's, it's not, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if some of those markets fell a further 10 or 15% just because demand's really shifting back uh, towards those investment grade locations and you know I saw the first sign of that last week there was a, uh, a an article in the Australian Financial Review um, where the journal was talking about some people that had moved from Melbourne to Noosa during the pandemic thinks it's pretty boring in Noosa now and they're moving back to Melbourne and I, I think a few people uh, might have made uh, some short-term decisions as a result you know in the in the heat of the moment during the pandemic which is uh, more than excusable and understandable, but um, I, I think people moving into those locate or moving out of capital city locations, you know, might start thinking twice about whether that's uh, uh, really a, a good long-term prospect for them. So let's talk about interest rates then and the prospect of higher interest rates. Uh, so I think you know over the last couple of years there've been some ridiculously low interest rates. Fixed rates got below at one point below two percent. And of course, I think it encouraged people to get into the market to take advantage of those low interest rates. But in the main, and I underline that word in the main, of course, there's, uh, there's people at the fringes of this. Uh, but in the main, I don't think uh, there's a lot of borrowers out there that thought interest rates were going to stay at 2% forever. And in fact, what they realised when buying property and property is a long-term decision that they needed to factor in eventually higher interest rates. Now, of course, if we were listening to the RBA governor last year, he was telling us that rates won't rise until 2024. Uh, so if you uh, you were a borrower at that stage, uh, maybe uh, you wouldn't have anticipated rates would rise as much as quickly as they have, but you would realise whether it was going to be 2022 or 2024 that rates were going to uh, rise and probably return back to more normal levels eventually. So really what it was is that many people saw 2021 and even the rates in 2020 as a bit of a free kick. They thought, well, I could upgrade my home and let's remember, you know, home buyers or home borrowers were the really that were driving the market uh, throughout 2020 and 2021. Uh, so people were thinking, yes, I can go and upgrade my home. I was always thinking about doing it over the next couple of years, but here's a really good incentive to do it now because... I can borrow for what's going to be a relatively low interest rate for whether it's two or three or four years, depending on how long they were fixing for. And they said to themselves, yes, it's affordable. I was always going to do it, um, but it's more affordable today. And uh, and it, I look at it as a, like a bit of a free kick. But the, the talk then about you know the market trying to get its head around future or higher interest rates in the future uh, I think in the main, most borrowers would have factored that in. Now, of course, there's a lot of borrowers out there that haven't yet been impacted by the rate hikes because you know a lot of people fix their mortgage interest rates uh, over the last couple of years. Those fixed rates will start to mature next year, 
uh, and then that's when people will start to feel the impact. Uh, it's kind of good because they've got plenty of time to plan for it. Plus also, there really hasn't been a, a huge reduction in discretionary expenditure. Um, and, and this could be the reason for it is that, you know, uh, repayments haven't increased yet because people are still on fixed rates. And also there's a bit of a lag for variable rate borrowers as well. So that eventually come through. Uh, but given there's a lot of fat in discretionary expenditure at the moment, you know, particularly in hospitality, travel and retail, if you look at the numbers in those segments, um, spending is relatively high even compared to pre-COVID levels. And given unemployment is low and, and actually hours worked is increase, are, are increasing, so that means uh, family income is actually increasing as a result of that, um, and the high amount of savings that uh, most Australians have accumulated during COVID as a financial buffer or something to fall back upon. Um, I think for all those reasons, when those interest rates, higher interest rates actually do come through to fr fruition, uh, I don't think there's going is going to cause uh, people any financial stress or at least not a lot of financial stress to the point that you know, they might have to reduce discretionary expenditure, of course. But again, people have a bit of common sense. They say, well, my interest, I'm paying 2% on my loan. I'll, I'll make some extra repayments, put some money in the offset account. But I've still got a lot of cash left over. I might spend a little bit more this month. Uh, but when it comes to next year, you know, knowing when it comes to next year, uh, they might have to curtail some of that uh, discretionary expenditure. Now, of course, there's always going to be people that um, haven't planned, haven't thought ahead, uh, have overborrowed, or their circumstances have changed. Uh, there's always going to be those those types of people or people that fall into those sorts of situations that are going to experience a mortgage stress and might have to sell their property as a result. But I think those people will be in the minority. Perhaps the biggest factor that will influence the property market uh, because it really will influence by demand, is when the market can factor in the um, terminal cash rate. That is, how high will the cash rate actually get? Once that becomes clear to the market, the market then can see beyond the interest rate rising cycle uh, and start to recover. Uh, in terms of buyer demand will start to recover or increase. So many commentators think that there's at least a couple more interest rate hikes, 25-point interest rate hikes. Uh, so that'll take the peak cash rate to 3.35. Um, the market and some economists are thinking there'll be four of those 25-point uh, rate hikes, which will uh, take the cash rate to about 3.8 or 3.85%. I think that's less likely. I think you're probably locking another half a percent in terms of higher interest rates. And then it's going to be really data dependent beyond that. Uh, but I think we're closer to the peak than further away from it. Uh, and I think it will most importantly become uh, very clear to the market uh, in the first quarter and certainly in the first half of next year what that peak interest rate cycle looks like. Uh, and if it's lower than the 3.85, 3.9% that the market has factored in, the money markets have factored in, uh, I think you'll see a, a, a bit of a recovery, not only in the property market, but also in the equity market. And let's not forget, the interest rate story can turn on a dime. And I was saying this over 2020 and 2021, not to get seduced. I said a number of times on the podcast, don't get to seduced into thinking interest rates are going to be lower for forever. At some point, they'll return to normal. Uh, and the interest rate uh, 
rhetoric can certainly change very quickly. And if we think about, you know, what might happen in the US, particularly for the US economy, is it in recession now? Will it go into recession if it isn't already? Uh, And what impact will that have on our domestic economy? Uh, It is entirely possible that we start talking about interest rate cuts in the second half of next year as well. And the market will start to factor that in. Uh, And again, that should uh, further stimulate the, the property market. I was really interested to read some research put together by a US business called Research Affiliates, and they looked at uh, historically how long does inflation take to come back to sort of normal levels, and uh, they concluded, and I've got a link in the show notes, of course, they concluded that if inflation exceeds 8%, it usually takes between 6 and 20 years for it to revert back to 3% with the average period being 10 years. So it is entirely possible that this higher interest rate environment may persist a lot longer than what we think, uh, and then uh, interest rates might end up being uh, at their current level for a bit longer as well. An additional consideration is investment property rental yields. Uh, So nationally, dwelling rents have increased by about 10% in the year through to Uh, September 2022, according to CoreLogic. And in October, uh, according to Domain, the national vacancy rate was a mere 0.8% with uh, Adelaide, Perth and Hobart having the tightest rental markets uh, almost in history. So clearly it's a tight rental market. Clearly that's putting pressure on uh, rents as in pushing them up. Uh, And eventually it'll come to a point where uh, investors start to think about returning into the market or at least being attracted uh, by rising rents and very low vacancy rates. And we can't talk about property prices without talking about population growth, particularly now that the borders have reopened post-COVID. And overseas uh, migration will once again not only stimulate the economy, but also demand for uh, property Of course, the Albanese government in its recent budget increased the number of permanent immigration intake numbers from 160 to 195,000 people this financial year. Uh, Temporary visa holders have quickly bounced back pre-COVID and have increased by about half a million over the past year. And uh, in Pete Wargent's blog, he wrote that uh, Australia's population is likely to increase by about 3 million people Uh, by 2023. So pretty considerable population growth. Uh, And arguably, we can have a conversation around whether we're building enough houses to um, satisfy that population growth. I think the answer is probably no, or at least not yet. Um, uh, Whilst that doesn't really have a big impact in already developed blue chip locations, it certainly has an economic, a positive economic impact Uh, which has uh, other flow-on effects, uh, positive flow-on effects into the property market. And we've got to remind ourselves that student visa holder numbers uh, have only just begun their recovery and and they really stimulate the uh, rental market as well. So I think we could have a little bit of a a rental crisis on the horizon and that if it gets to an alarming extent, you know, the government might have to react with some sort of policy to attract uh, investors back into the market. So there you go. They're the reasons why I think uh, we've probably seen the lion's share of property price reductions. I think they're likely to stabilise from here on in, maybe another percent uh, or a little bit more, but really nothing material. For prices to continue to fall, I think there's got to be an imbalance of supply and demand. 
uh, given demand is already relatively low, uh, I can't see that drastically reducing, uh, particularly given anyone that's in the market today has already got their head around higher interest rates. And supply is below normal. Now, uh, for prices to fall further, we'd need an influx of supply. But the reality is that uh, if you're a discretionary vendor, you don't have to sell in this market. Likelihood is that you don't, you choose not to and you think let's sell next year or even the year after. Uh, and given people have plenty of firepower in terms of uh, winding back some of that very high discretionary expenditure, uh, which they'll have to do when higher repayments come through, I think there's plenty of buffers out there to uh, weather that higher repayment storm. However, life has taught us, particularly in the last decade or, or so, uh, that we kind of should expect the un- unexpected. And if the unexpected happens, of course, you know any that, that could have a, a change on, on this outlook, which is kind of my caveat, I guess, or get out clause. Uh, if something terrible happens tomorrow, uh, then uh, who knows what property prices will do. That said, we also know that property is really a long-term investment, uh, and I've, as I've said many times in this podcast before, playing the long game is critical. So play your own, run your own race, uh, play your own game if you like. If you're ready to enter into the property market, whether that's to buy an investment property or upgrade your home or buy a first home, whatever it might be, uh, if your circumstances allow it, then uh, and you're playing that longer game, then. Uh, there's never a bad time to buy an investment-grade property for fair market value. Okay, that's it for me for this week. Uh, Until next week, bye for now.